T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Mike Esposito on Sports Radio 670 The Score. And we are back, hour two of the program here on 670 The Score, leading into Bulls basketball at 845 tonight. Bulls in Phoenix against the Suns. Good time for that. Uh, we will uh, definitely uh, enjoy Chuck and Bill's call of the game. Time now to jump on out to the Alpamani Nissan hotline. Alpamani Nissan is in Melrose Park on North Avenue or at apnissan.com. And our guest, uh, the head of trading at PointsBet, Jay Croucher, Jay, good evening, and thank you for joining us. We appreciate your time. Thanks, Mike. Looking forward to talking some baseball. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a great day with uh, opening day coming tomorrow. And I have to ask you before we even get started, what does head of trading mean? We know what points bet is, but what is head of trading? How does that work? What exactly is it that you're doing here uh, with this team? Sure. So what I do as head of trading is I oversee all of our betting markets. Uh, so the setting of lines, uh, that's all me and my team, and, and also managing our positions and liabilities. Uh, and so baseball is taking up most of our time at the moment. Um, you know, it's a really great betting sport because it's so numbers-driven and there's lots of unique markets that we can build from that. Uh, so, yeah, really looking forward to opening day tomorrow. Yeah, and it's it's going to be an interesting one here in Chicago as well. The Cubs are home against the Pirates. I know a lot of people not necessarily expecting uh, the greatest of seasons from uh, the Chicago Cubs, but I also know from you know being one of them, people love to bet on the Cubs. You, you know, the the old thing was, hey, we're going to go to Vegas and we're going to put money on the on the Cubs to win it all. You know, this going back to uh, my younger days, but I imagine some of that still has to play into what you see today. Definitely, yeah. The Cubs are a really popular um, public team, just like the way that the Yankees and the Dodgers are. So, you know, no matter where the Cubs are, people are going to bet on them just for a bit of fun to win the World Series. You know, they're forty to one, so it's not that much to risk to get a bit of a return. And you know, they're not they're not rebuilding. They've still got a really good, uh, really good lineup, um, some consistency in the rotation. So, it wouldn't be a surprise at all if they make the playoffs. No, I, I agree. I think the Cubs are are looking uh, underappreciated at the moment. Uh, that's my own opinion. On, by contrast, everyone seems to love the White Sox, which um, I would imagine, and tell me if I'm wrong, is that uh, drive people to uh, maybe overbet the White Sox if, if they're one of the, the uh, darlings of the preseason? Yeah, definitely. I think the White Sox, you know, you're dead right that the White Sox are a bit overvalued at the moment. Um, and particularly since uh, Eloy Jimenez went down, there has been a bit of money come on there under uh, for their win season total, which is still 90 and a half. 
And by contrast, there probably is a bit of value on the Cubs where, you know, they're in a, in a very winnable division uh, and they're plus 430 to, to win the NL Central. And we've taken some sharp money there. So, yeah, there's definitely some hope uh, for the Cubs. Talking to Jay Croucher, the head of trading at Points Bet, and I know lots of our listeners are are active uh, in uh, the betting of of games, and certainly baseball, as you said, Jay pre- prevent uh, presents lots of opportunities, lots of different ways. What do you see as the most popular ways, or some of the most uh, fun ways that you see uh, for for the for the regular baseball fan to to partake in this with Points Bet? So most of the activity that we're going to see is going to be on the three core markets, the money line, the total, and the run line. Uh, but in terms of more creative ways to bet, at PointsBet, uh, you can bet with a product that we have called Name-A-Bet. And what that is is you just request whatever you want to bet on. You just name the market, and then we'll price it. And we can go pretty, uh, pretty deep into the weeds. So if you want to bet on Jock Peterson to get a home run in his first at-bat as a Cub, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, you can do that with points bet. Uh, you just request the bet uh, through the name of bet function in the app. That's certainly interesting, and I bet people come up with some creative stuff that way. Yeah, you see some pretty strange ones um, <laughs> that, that get really niche, like, uh, you know, Jason Hayward to hit a triple in the third pitch that he sees, like that kind of stuff, um, which is going to be pretty long odds. but. But yeah, that's the great thing about baseball is there's so much data, there's so much information that, that we can price these types of markets. Talking to Jay Croucher from PointsBet, uh, their head of trading. Uh, as you look at the White Sox and you look at maybe a, a percentage or a, a odds to win the World Series, uh, you mentioned that the odds took a bit of a hit uh, with Eloy Jimenez uh, going down. Um, how do you value it? I mean, is that similar to when we look at the stats and say, all right, Eloy has a war of, you know, four. So you, you pop four games off of that. How, how does that, how does that, if any, go into your mix when you're, when you're making odds that way? Yeah, so war is definitely a stat that we look at. And so for Jimenez, yeah, we projected him to be, yeah, the three to four war win player. And so that's basically what the White Sox lose. And it's not probably going to be three to four. It's probably going to be more two to three because whoever they bring in um, likely won't just be a replacement level player. But, but yeah, it's a really big hit. Um, and and the odds are adjusted accordingly. And uh, I know you have some opening day um, promos, uh, specials uh, that our listeners can take care of uh, or take part in uh, the White Sox uh, to score one or more run, which seems like an easy one, but maybe you could fill our listeners in here on the score as to some of the things that uh, they are able to do. Absolutely. So we're offering two big promotions for opening day. Um, so the first one, like you said, is just the White Sox to score at least one run uh, at odds of even money with a max bet of $20. So they just have to score once. And they're going up against Dylan Bundy, who's you know he's fine, but he's not exactly peak Sandy Koufax. So you're right. pretty confident that the Sox will be able to not get shut out. I think they're only shut out twice all season last year in 60 games. So there's lots of value on that one. And then the second one that we're offering is we call it home run insurance. So you can bet on any player uh, in any game that the Cubs or White Sox play in the opening week of the season to hit a home run. And if they don't hit a home run, but their team wins, then you'll get your stake refunded uh, back up to $25. So, for example, you could bet on Chris Bryant at plus 400 to hit a home run. And if he doesn't, but the Cubs win tomorrow, then you'll get your Bryant bet refunded up to $25. So that's uh, that sounds like a fun way for people, as I, I mentioned, to to kind of keep involved, be uh, have a rooting interest in the game, 
and yet still do it in a fun way and have multiple ways to win. I, I enjoy that. Yeah, definitely. And it's a way to get into player prop betting as well, um, where this is an area that's really growing out uh, in betting, more and more player markets. And so with us, you can bet on markets like, yeah, like play to hit a home run or to get a hit or an RBI or steal a base or to get to rack up multiple stats in those categories. So all that kind of stuff that you can bet on at uh, points bet. And I was going to ask you about the player prop bets, because I know uh, certainly throughout my lifetime, I have thought, oh, you know, I bet you this guy is going to do this this year. But they get so detailed. I mean, you could bet, you know, I would imagine any any stat steals, uh, hits, average, anything like that uh, with any individual player. Uh, do you do they do team bets in that, May suit so that the, the Cubs will score X runs in, in this game or in this series? Yeah, definitely. There's lots of uh, lots of those kind of stat derivative markets that we offer, and the player markets. Um, to your point, that can go. Uh, you can get really niche. Like you can bet on, you know, Anthony Rizzo to have four or more hits at twenty to one. All that type of stuff uh, is on the on the app to bet on. And if it's not on the app, like I said, you can just request it uh, through name of bet. So there's there's uh, there's really nothing that um, that that can't be bet on in baseball. And Jay, I know uh, you. I know I know because I've read your bio that you're from Australia. But it's it's an interesting story. How how did you wind up doing uh, points bet? Because it's a, it's a, been a long and winding road for you. Yeah, it has a little bit. Uh, I've moved to America at a pretty interesting time, uh, just in the past couple of years. But basically, my background was as a lawyer, and um, I figured that it was more fun to watch Harvey Byers hit home runs than it was to review <laughs> contracts and sub licenses and stuff. So. So, yeah, that's why I'm here today. Well, and it's funny, too, because I know, you know, we've talked about this uh, certainly on the score, and I know people have have, uh, done this amongst their friends and whatnot, but, you know, sports gambling, which used to be, you know, kind of a very specialized thing, has gotten so mainstream as more of uh, the legalization uh, has taken place, and especially with cool things like points bet uh, and, and, you know, being able to do all the stuff we're talking about it's it's really fascinating how much it's exploded over the last few years. Yeah, definitely. It continues, like you say, to, to enter the mainstream more and more and, and different types of markets as well are entering the mainstream. You know, a couple of years ago, you know, a Zach Levine player points over under would have been uh, pretty niche. But now it's, you know, it's just common and it's a really common betting option just in the same way that, you know, the Chiefs minus three is in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I think that, you know, betting in general is becoming a lot more popular, uh, a lot more mainstream. And I think that that will just kind of continue on, on that trajectory. And I know we've been baseball heavy with opening day tomorrow, but I have to ask you while I have you on, it's it's final four time as well, Saturday, and the pairings are set. What, what are you guys at points bet seeing uh, related to the to the final four? Yeah, so I think everyone's just petrified of betting against Gonzaga. Um, yes. They're now a, they're now a two touchdown um, minus fourteen point favorite uh, in the final in the final four against UCLA. So they're the team that we don't want to win the tournament. Uh, they're minus two twenty five um, to win the title, and uh, we're not in a great spot there. I think that you know they're one of the most dominant college basketball teams we've ever seen so it'll take some beating i think baylor is probably our best hope there they're five point favorites uh, against houston um so that's that's probably the likely matchup and yeah and i think that we'll we'll end up taking a lot more money on gonzaga 
Yeah, and, and I guess you know UCLA is kind of a, an underdog, but it's it's UCLA, right? I mean, they're one of the most storied programs in in the history of college basketball. But still, with the lower seed, I got to imagine that that was something that uh, kind of people didn't necessarily expect to see, right? Yeah, definitely. There hasn't been as much betting on UCLA as you might expect, given the name, just because they have so frequently been uh, the underdog. But but you're right, people are always going to bet on the name, even coming into the start of the uh, well, just before the start of the tournament, some of our biggest liabilities to win the title were on Kentucky and Duke, um, who weren't mm-hmm. uh, who weren't that good this year. But I think the people just they remember Zion Williamson and Anthony Davis in the jerseys, and they just bet uh, they just bet on the name. Um, so it's kind of like with the Cubs, uh, where people are always going to flock towards the public teams. Yep. So as, as we let you go, Jay, and we really appreciate your time, and I know you mentioned a few of the opening day promos, what other cool stuff do they have uh, at points bet coming up uh, for this baseball season here in 2021? Yeah, so from a player perspective, it's not just game-to-game player markets um, that you can bet on, but also on award markets and, and stat markets. And so, you know, even if the Cubs, if they're not uh, in the World Series mix, um, they've still got a lot of great players who could be in the mix for awards. So things like... We've taken some money on Hubby Baez at 33 to 1 to win MVP, um, expecting a, a bounce back um, from, from last year. I mean, back in 2018, he was the MVP favourite for a while, so, so that might be an interesting one. Uh, so lots of futures markets, lots of player markets, and then just the game-to-game markets where I think one of the great things about baseball in terms of betting is that, you know, it's not like the NFL where, you know, the Chiefs might be you know, three touchdown favorites over someone and uh, and it's just not going to be close. Baseball, every team is in contention every game. Even when the Dodgers are going up against the Rockies, um, the Rockies are still going to have, you know, at least a 30% chance to win the game. So there's always going to be an interest uh, and usually uh, the odds are going to be pretty close. Well, I know we're looking forward to the baseball season here in Chicago, Jay, uh, both White Sox and Cubs fans and certainly uh, with points bet, uh, we'll be looking forward to all of that as well that you just mentioned. So appreciate your time this evening. Perfect. Thanks, Mark. Thank you, Jay. That's Jay Croucher, the head of trading at points bet. Uh, fascinating uh, background, as I mentioned, formerly a lawyer. He's from Australia. Uh, and I love what he said. He'd rather watch Javi Baez hit bombs than, than review contracts, <laughs> which 1,000% makes sense uh, based on, on what we're seeing. Sean Anderson, I'll bring you on here too, because I know you uh, you are a, a, a sports gambling wizard. Uh, some of that uh, is very interesting in terms of the, the player bets and, and the different things that you can you can bet on. Yeah, I'm definitely a sports gambling wizard. You, you hit the nail on the head on that one, uh, Mike. But yeah, it's it, it <laughs> definitely an interesting platform. It's not just straight up betting, which is you know intriguing for people who you know might be sick of just straight up, oh, I think this team's going to win the game. Yeah, no, and, and I think, you know, some of us, uh, you know, I'll call myself an old fogey here, right? I, I am uh, pretty amateur when it comes to the whole uh, new world that is uh, sports gambling and all the various different things that are available, uh, and some of the stuff that Jay was just talking about. But it's really fun. It's cool, and it's uh, an exciting thing to be able to do on a game you're watching. I don't know that I would be doing the, the pick a bet where you're going to say Jason Hayward is going to hit a triple on the second pitch of his at bat or whatever. I'm fairly certain that I would not do that, but certainly the individual uh, bets and the, uh, uh, the team stuff, certainly the over-unders, the, you know, who's going to win the division type thing. Uh, certainly lots of uh, fun there. Uh, anyway, our thanks to Jay Croucher from points bet uh, coming up next. We will uh, continue to talk baseball Cubs opening at Wrigley tomorrow. 
Tony Andraki from Marquee Sports Network will be there, and he will be here talking to us next on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think it's, um, you know, it, it kind of gives our guys a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. That uh, I mean, I think it's been what, at least five years in a row we've been picked to win the division and kind of the clear favorite. And, you know, um, 2015 we weren't picked to, to win, and we had a, had a great season, and that was a lot of fun. And it was, certainly would be a lot of fun to – you know, to prove people wrong, but, but ultimately, you know, listen, I think we have an exceptionally talented group and um, you know, I know these guys are, uh, are excited to get going. So whether we're the underdog or not um, I think guys are excited and uh, kind of finally ready to be at the starting line. Nets Cubs general manager, Jed Hoyer talking uh, earlier today at Wrigley field Cubs and pirates. Get things going tomorrow. 120 is the first pitch. I, for one, am extremely excited. Kyle Hendricks and Chad Cool uh, will be your mound opposition. And right now, uh, we are thrilled to be talking to uh, Tony Andraki from Marquee Sports Network. Uh, we get him on the Alpamani Nissan hotline. Alpamani Nissan in Melrose Park on North Avenue or APNissan.com. You can also find Tony on Twitter at TonyAndraki23. Hey, Tony. Good evening. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. Uh, appreciate you joining us. Uh, certainly a, a busy time around Marquee with uh, with the Cubs getting going and Jed talking today. And it's not like he didn't make news out there today. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, yeah, you know, between the Anthony Rizzo contract stuff and, and like the bite you guys just played about the Cubs uh, kind of liking and relishing in the fact that they're not being picked to win the division right now um, by a lot of outside projectors um but yeah i think they appreciate that and they understand where they're coming from and they feel like they have a very competitive ball club that can that can kind of squash that outside expectations of this team yeah i think uh the cubs certainly uh used to coming in as as favorites after the last uh few years and certainly since the world series title in 2016 uh it's a bit of a change for them and i know they've talked about that maybe being uh, a little under the radar yeah, I think so. I mean, Hayward actually kind of kicked this all off early in spring training. He was asked about those expectations, and he was like, I love it. I love not being picked to win. And he referenced you know, his firsthand experience of being on the Braves in a division where the Nationals were picked a couple years in a row to win. And um, both years, you know, the Braves ended up winning the division by a couple of games, you know, five, ten games, whatever it was. So, you know, obviously how things, how we think things will play out, it's so fun to talk about in the preseason and um, before everything gets going, but it often changes. Uh, so, yeah, I think that the Cubs are, are fine with what the talk is and they're happy with whatever it is. They know what they have internally, and I think they're, they're really excited for the opportunity to start tomorrow to, to show that. Yeah, and I and I know Tony. I was uh, one of the people excited to to see Nico Horner and watch him uh, this season. And I understand uh, the the multiple reasons uh, why he was sent down, but certainly caught a lot of people by surprise. And uh, David Ross came out and said, "Listen, this is not necessarily about Nico. It's more about David Bodie." Yeah, it caught me by surprise too a little bit. Um, I had thought, you know, the way Nico played, um, that he was maybe earning himself, you know, a role on there too. But yeah, I can't deny what David Bowie has done, uh, really just throughout his entire career, and the fact that, you know, he he keeps coming up with these clutch hits, and then all spring, I mean, he he was one of the Cubs' 
best hitters, you know, throughout the entire Cactus League. Uh, there were a couple instances where we were watching him in live BP facing some Cubs pitchers. And um, one instance in, in particular, I, early on, he came right up first pitch. Jake Arrieta threw him, you know, Bodie smacked off the right field wall. So I, I think there was just, you know, he had some really good swings all across the board and, and he has looked good and, and you don't lose a ton or really much defensively having him at second base as well. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, long-term this can certainly help Nico as well. Uh, you know, at least the Cubs feel that it does. And, and it will be really interesting to see what they have in Bodie and if he can be an everyday player. Cause that's the other thing is it seems like he's been around for a little while and mm-hmm. he has, but mm-hmm. he's still only 28. So he could, he could be a, a core piece, you know, of this next group. Right, yeah, and and listen, Cubs fans over the years uh, have gotten in trouble anointing people before they've they've done anything. And certainly, I'm not saying Nico Horner is going to be a bust. I'm not saying in any way do I think that. I think he's a nice player, and I was excited to to see what he had to do uh, or what he could do this year. Uh, but you certainly aren't going to give somebody, uh, you know, let's not put him in the Hall of Fame just yet, right? So David Bodie has has earned this chance, right? Yeah, I think so, and, and you know, I think the the Cubs love Nico's defense and he at least, you know, can provide that, but he does have some room to grow offensively and, and he will have a better opportunity to do that. Like at the alternate site where they can kind of control that a bit more, but then, you know, also once the triple A season starts, he'll have more of an opportunity to enact the offensive changes that we, you know, he scratched the surface of in spring training here, but it, it would be difficult for him to do that. If he's only playing once or twice or three times a week, you know, last season, was different when it was expanded rosters and there was no minor league and there was just, you know, a a limited alternate site. Like that was the only opportunity for Nico to get work. Now he's going to have a minor league season and there is going to be, you know, there are going to be quite a bit um, of things that the Cubs can control and try to help his development. So, yeah, I think that that all kind of comes into play here, but you know, when, when you have a guy like Bodie on the roster and then Eric Sogard, um, you know, another veteran, I think the Cubs have their options at second here. Yeah, and, and it seemed like, Tony, and we're talking to Tony Andracki, Marquis Sportsnet, it seemed like the Sogard signing really kind of pushed a lot of pieces there. They obviously like him a lot, and they wanted him on this roster. Yeah, and he, you know, he's a left-handed bat who can play a d- bunch of different positions and uh, makes a good amount of contact, too. You know, we saw him in the leadoff spot in spring training quite a few times, actually, and I, I know that doesn't necessarily carry over to the regular season and, and David Ross cautioned, you know, not to read too much into the lineups, but, but I think he is an option there. Um, if they ever gave Ian Happ a day off. And, and I think, you know, what Sogard brings is just a veteran presence off the bench, a guy who, you know, at 34, 35 has like been around the block a bit and, mm-hmm. and he can play in that role. You know, they don't have to worry about his development. So, and then they were impressed with his defense too, at shortstop in particular. So they feel like, you know, that's part of the equation that they don't have to keep Nico on the roster to back up Javi in case of an injury or something that they have an option here in Sogard too. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you, Tony, about uh, David Ross. You mentioned him uh, when talking about Sogard. So lots of hype uh, and lots of news uh, made surrounding his hiring. And we all know his playing history here with this, with this organization, but how do you think he did managerial wise last year? How did you rate that? Uh, and it granted lots of weird stuff with the, the shortened season. Uh, and, and how do you see him going forward? Because I, I think he's got, uh, he seems to have his finger on the pulse uh, very well of this team. Yeah. One thing that always stands out to me about Ross is um, how, 
open he is and not just necessarily like in terms of roster moves or anything like that, but just really with like making mistakes or things that he learned on the job. And he's been really open with that. And and that's honestly more difficult to do over zoom than in person too. And, Mm -hmm. you know, his first year and a half on the job, he admitted he was wrong and not having Ryan Tapera on the opening day bullpen last year. And, and he uh, just called that back, you know, a couple of days ago when, when we spoke to him as well. And, and he talked about having an open conversation with Rex brothers last year that he felt made him a better manager. And he talked about all he's learned from, bench coach Andy Green and, and um, the front office like with Theo last year and Jed the last couple of years that, you know, really have, he, he just feels like he's learned a lot um, and, and he's open and willing to, to discuss when he is wrong. And I think that's just, that's an interesting quality. And, and I think, you know, managerial wise too, the fact that he also opened up about how like he discovered how to use a bullpen and, and figure that all out on the fly last year. And, and I think he made some great strides with that. I mean, the Cubs bullpen was, was great last year and, and yep. a really underrated part of the team. So I think they're really you know fortunate to have him where they are. And, and I think just with his relationship and his communication style, like to get them through this crazy last year and a half, they really, you know, Ross is probably the perfect guy to do that. Talking to Tony and from Marquee Sports Network, Cubs and uh, Pirates tomorrow from Wrigley Field. Uh, you can watch it on Marquee. You could catch it right here on 670, the score, uh, of course, throughout the entire season. Uh, I have a few guys that I have marked down as X factors, uh, Tony, this year. The first one you're going to guess immediately because he <laughs> tore it up all spring. But Jock Peterson is not this good, is he? Or is he? Yeah, I, I, you know what? I don't know. <laughs> and I think that's. I totally agree with you in terms of being an X factor because maybe he is, you know, like I don't think he's going to have like a 670 slugging percentage all year. Um, but I, you know, he's super motivated. He wants to to show himself and the rest of, of baseball that he can play every day, that he should be considered, you know, an elite player in this game. And uh, really both sides of the ball, he wants to to show that he can hit against lefties, but he also wants to show that, he's a better defender than maybe the metrics have, have pointed to in the last couple of years. So I think when you have that and a guy on a one-year deal that comes to a new place, I, I just think it's it's so powerful to have that mo- level of motivation. And, I, yeah, we're about to find out if he's this good. Yeah, and I know nobody was really thrilled with the acquisition of Kyle Davies. The the talk was, of course, of you Darvish after the great season he had last year uh, moving on to San Diego. But – uh, Kyle Davies has had a nice spring and he's, I mean, he's a nice pitcher. I mean, you just look at his career numbers. He's, he's not a Cy Young award winner, but he's a solid, steady, good major league pitcher. Yeah, right. He's, he's kind of uh Kyle Hendricks light in a lot of ways. And Ross actually used that comparison for Davies saying, you know, they're, they're quiet. They're unassuming. They're not the guys that, that, you know, other teams will necessarily circle, but like they probably should. And, and they know how to pitch. Like they're really, you know, cerebral and intelligent guys who know how to attack opposing lineups and, and use their, their strengths um, or their weaknesses rather against them. So they take advantage, both of these guys, Hendricks and Davies on other teams being aggressive against them because they throw fastballs and that are 89 and 90 miles an hour only. And so, you know, these guys come up and, and they, they're hacking first pitch, but they're swinging at a pitch that's, you know, on the outside corner and they end up, rolling over for an easy ground out. And then, you know, Davies and Hendricks are happy because they just got a quick, efficient out. So, yeah, I think they, they both 
I think they can learn from each other too. And so far they have a little bit in the spring. They've just, they've said, uh, Davey said something interesting that Hendricks was one of the guys that he always used to watch, like how Hendricks would attack a lineup previously in his career. Davies would look at that and, and think, Hey, maybe this is how I can attack a lineup the same kind of lineup. So now they can do that pitching two days apart. Yeah, no, and and listen, I I am here for it. Uh, Greg Maddox, when I when I was a kid, Greg Maddox was my favorite p- Cub and favorite pitcher. So I am here for you call it whatever you want. You know, eighty something miles an hour working the plates. Uh, I want to see it, and uh, I'm excited to see how this works uh, for your Chicago Cubs. Uh, last thing for you, and certainly one of the biggest things Jed talked about today, Tony, uh, the Rizzo situation with the contract, and you know. He used a lot of positive words. Uh, I know you don't have a crystal ball, but what do you see uh, coming here? I know Rizzo said he did not want to negotiate during the season. That doesn't mean the Cubs can't throw offers at him. That doesn't mean that you know the agent and whatever uh, can't go back and forth. How, how do you think this plays out, and what do you think the keys are to, to getting something done here for Rizzo? Yeah, it's a good question. I, you know, I don't know specifically. Um, honestly, I think it just kind of depends, like, the way Judd made it seem today is that they're probably going to come with an offer to, to Rizzo's camp and he's going to have to decide, you know, whether he wants to listen or, you know, or even uh, go back and talk further about it, whether that comes, you know, next month or in June or July or who knows, you know, exactly how that all plays out. But, but yeah, you know, I think it'll really kind of just depend on, on Rizzo and, and when he wants to talk right now. And, and if somehow the, the two sides do not reach an agreement before, the season's up and the world series is over and free agency and the off season starts. I mean, I still think that there's, there's plenty of time there. And, and I think there's enough like goodwill on both sides. Like they've already negotiated an extension before, um, you know, to, to eat up the last couple of years of team control that Rizzo had, but you know, between that and then the fact that like they both want the same resolution. So I think there, there's a path here. Um, it, I don't know specifically how it plays out, but ultimately, I think Rizzo will be the first baseman for the Cubs next year and beyond. Yeah, and and shame on me, Tony. And if you caught it, you should have pointed out. But one of our texters, apparently, I've been calling Zach Davies Kyle Davies this whole time. <laughs> so um, I, I'm, I I can't in my brain. They're they're the same guy, and I can't. I got to keep stop doing that. Yeah, no, everybody's done it. I, I, honestly, Ross, I think, actually slipped up and, and started uh, saying Davies, calling him Kyle. So I, I, everybody's done it. I've done it multiple times this spring. We could make it a drinking game when watching the Cubs uh, <laughs> if we figure out how to do that. Uh, Tony and Drackey, appreciate your time. We'll, we'll check you out, as always, on Marquee Sports Network, and uh, we'll see you at the ballpark soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks, Tony. Tony and Drackey, Marquee Sports Network. Cubs and Pirates uh, tomorrow. And <laughs> I, I hope I wasn't calling him Kyle Davies the entire I think I was. But I digress. Uh, Kyle Hendricks will pitch for the Cubs tomorrow. Uh, against the Pirates. Uh, We'll shift gears next. Uh, White Sox open the season in L.A. against Joe Madden's Angels. Lucas Giolito will pitch, and we will talk to James Fox from Future Sox. We'll do that next with Mike Esposito right here on 670 The Score. Uh, Maybe. No, because there's another another option. could be uh, Lurie. But Andrew will be in the lineup at one of those spots, D.H. or left field. You saw him today. He had the last play was a ball of the sun. Yeah, I watched it. Uh, Daryl Boston, we haven't talked about it. Daryl Boston works him out at 845 every morning with a couple of guys. And I've watched it, I watched it today a couple other times. And uh, you can see him just moving. His, his uh, routes are better. And 
But I just think, uh, you know, if I had to write it right now, Garcia probably played the rest of Tony LaRussa contradicting himself. Uh, well, that was a few days ago. Today he uh, said that Andrew Vaughn will not be in the opening day lineup and uh, will talk all White Sox and especially that uh, in a moment. Mike Esposito here with you on 670 The Score. Taking you into Bulls basketball, we have a, a bit of breaking news, so I want to get to that. Breaking news on the score, powered by Odyssey and presented by BetQL. Become a better sports better, get smarter to beat the books. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com today. The breaking news is this from Billy Donovan, and we will have the Bulls for you tonight. Kobe White, Zach Levine, Garrett Temple, all out for tonight's game in Phoenix. Zach's ankle must really be bothering him. We'll talk to Bill Wennington uh, about that at 8.20. Right now, though, uh, we're going to talk some White Sox. We head on out to the Alpamani Nissan hotline, Alpamani Nissan in Melrose Park on North Avenue or at apnissan.com. And we find James Fox there, senior editor at Future Sox. Uh, James, we appreciate your time and uh, good to talk with you. Yeah, you too, Mike. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. And uh, what was your take on uh, on the lineup news today as it came out? Uh, apparently, Collins will get the DH nod t- tomorrow. Yeah. So I mean, I guess it's weird that Andrew Vaughn's on the team and not playing. Um, right. You know, I'm going to give I'm gonna, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt just because you know the the thing that was more confusing is he said that it's going to be Collins because he's going to be off the next three days, and that it's just like. I don't know. It doesn't really make any sense. Like if you if you don't want Andrew Vaughn to get his first start in left field because you want to play Collins against a righty starter, like I guess I kind of understand that part of it. And then yep. you know Vaughn will be in the lineup most days. But I mean, unless Grandall's catching all four games, like I would think Collins plays catcher this weekend. So who knows? Like he, he's he's changed his mind I think twice now <laughs> within forty eight hours. So maybe maybe they'll change their mind again at some point. I- that's why I had to chuckle as uh, as our producer Sean Anderson played that bite. Uh, you know, the first line is, "Well, he'll be in the lineup somewhere in one of those spots." And then today it comes out, he's like, "Well, maybe not." Um, well, and we'll see. You know, that's part of the fun of baseball, and the Sox have plenty of uh, moving parts uh, that will will bear watching. Uh, I'm curious though, uh, as as we head on in, you know, the left field is a question mark, but I know one of the guys who is not is Lucas Giolito. Uh, he has turned into one of those uh, number ones that, that you can count on. Uh, and, and I think uh, White Sox fans uh, can expect that again this season, and, and he'll be out there tomorrow night. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, a lot of he, – he's like – I don't even know if he's a sleeper at this point, right? But a lot of people, I think, are picking Lucas Giolito for Cy Young this year if you don't want to go with Bieber or one of the other guys, you know, Garrett Cole. So I think he's – yeah, I think a lot is expected of him. I think he's a, he's a true number one starter. The one thing that he hasn't had is that, you know, the 200 innings load and look like, you know, it's it's not a huge thing across baseball anymore where guys are going 200 innings. But I think that's the one thing, I guess, with him that you would like to see is that, you know, he has been shut down towards the ends of, towards the ends of his seasons, like with, with lingering stuff. And last year, you know, everybody was – you know, a little bit short just because of the 60 games. And Lucas Little pitched awesome in the playoffs last year, and he was really good again in spring training. So there's no reason, you know, not to believe that he's, you know, taking that next step into the upper echelon of starters in baseball. James Fox, our guest here on The Score uh, from Future Sox. And sticking with that rotation, James, I know uh, I I was talking up the Sox rotation and and basically saying that 
outside of Los Angeles and the Dodgers, I like the Sox rotation uh, as one of the best in baseball. And I get all kinds of texts. Uh, people don't like Lance Lynn, apparently. And it's like, wait a second. It's like, you know, <laughs> this guy is a solid pitcher. Uh, I, I think I'm not saying uh, that Lance Lynn is going to go out and win 20 games for you. But I think uh, slotted into that number three slot uh, on the south side is a perfect spot for him. Yeah, you know, I think the top three is as good as anybody's. And, you know, if you're stacking rotations, they're in that top five or six, I think, in baseball. I think there's questions about four and five. Dylan Cease and Rodon look better in spring training, and it's not just stats, right? Their stuff looked better. So we'll see there. But, I mean, yeah, the top three is really formidable. I don't know where – I've seen some of the same Lance Lynn stuff. I mean, he, you know, he's been a, what, top five or six Cy Young finisher the last two years. I mean, Lance Lynn has been – really good and it's exactly what the White Sox needed I mean they had they would have had Lance Lynn in last year's playoff run I mean things probably end a little bit differently right like that's right. that's the type of guy that they needed you know he knows what's expected of him like we were just talking about 200 innings and how guys don't do it anymore he does it if he doesn't throw 200 he's you know he's not going to be a happy camper so he Lance Lynn knows exactly you know what his job is this year for the White Sox yeah, and I know Sox fans are conversely very excited about having Liam Hendricks, and uh, I am one of them. I think, uh, you know, having that dominant guy, you know, call it the, you know, the, the Cubs had it in 2016 when they won the World Series after they traded for Araldis Chapman. You've seen how having that elite closer is such a huge thing, and I think Hendricks is that guy for the White Sox. Yeah, I think so. It's a big addition. And, and I, you know, the thing that I really like about Hendricks is that he doesn't have to pitch the ninth. And I think, you know, with Larusa and Ethan Katz, you know, you're in a jam in the, in the seventh. I mean, Hendricks can come in and get you out of that jam and then pitch the eighth. And then the Sox are deep enough where you can just have somebody else close. Like you could have Bummer close or Marshall or Hoyer or one of these other guys. As excited as I am about Liam Hendricks, you know, I think the bridge – to get to Hendricks is like yep. even better. I think I think the White Sox have the best bullpen in baseball. I think yeah. it's definitely the best in the American League. Um, so you know that it's a it's a strength. And I you know how often is it that you know you have guys where you know you tune in and you want to see Luis Robert at bats and you know it was like that for Eloy Jimenez too. Like I think people are going to be tuning in like the White Sox are up in the sixth just to see like this parade of fireballers that are coming in from the from the bullpen. So they they shouldn't lose often with a lead, but it is baseball. So, you know, that's why they play 162 of them. Right. No, and it's funny, too, as I'm sitting here thinking you're talking about guys, people tune in to watch. We haven't even mentioned the MVP of the league from last year. Uh, and I know Jose Abreu can fly under the radar, but here's a guy who gets it done every year. And I, I know, uh, you know, the. Uh, guys in that clubhouse certainly respect it and uh, and look up to him as one of the leaders on the team. Yeah, so that year was really something, and obviously it was only 60 games. I mean, I'm I'm one of the people who, you know, I guess, you know, I wasn't too smart last offseason. I guess I, <laughs> I I had I had concerns over Jose Brave. I mean, in sure. 2019, he he wasn't great against right-handed pitching. He just he really wasn't. And the White Sox rewarded him with the 50 million dollar contract over three years and. You know, it was kind of like, oh boy, like, you know, you thought this was like a declining player. And then he, you know, he, he came back and he played and he was in the best shape ever, you know, best shape of his life, actually, for real. And uh, he was great, like over 60 games. And I guess there's, you know, there's no reason to think that he won't be the same, you know, productive type guy. So, yeah, I mean, he's like right there in the middle of the order. And you're right. Like, I think he's like the guy people talk about the least still because they just, 
you know, have so many young guys coming through and all these pitchers that everybody wants to talk about. And Jose's kind of just like, you know, the steady guy, like sitting there playing first base, you know, because you know he's going to give you what he always does. Right. James Fox from Future Sox is our guest. A few more minutes talking Sox here with him. And uh, I want to ask you in terms of like X factors. I mean, and we've talked about some of the names, but, you know, this is a team a lot of uh, people have high expectations for. Uh, they, they've, you know, built it up over time. This is certainly looking like, uh, if not the year, one of the years that, uh, you know, Lance Lynn is on a one-year deal, but they, they, they are, they're poised. They're poised to compete. What do you see as the X factors for this team in terms of, you know, can they make a run in the postseason? Yeah, so for me, I mean, I think Juan Mancata has to get back to, you know, what he was in 2019. I think if he's that guy, um, they're they're going to be really good again. I mean, they you know they obviously a short season last year, but Mankata was not the same you know after dealing with COVID. So I would say you know Mankata is a big X factor, and then four and five in the rotation. If one of those guys is good, if one of those guys is what they're supposed to be, right? If Dylan Cease lives mm-hmm. up to the immense you know, talent that he has when he was a top fifty prospect in baseball, then that's a game changer because you also have you know, a number four starter that looks like a number two starter then, right? And maybe right. it's Carlos Rodon. I don't know. You know, maybe maybe that's Michael Kopech in the second half of the season. But it, I would say, you know, one more starter emerges. It could be any one out of a group of guys. And then Yohan Mankata, for me, definitely, I think, is the most important guy on the team. Well, and what is Michael Kopech going to be? I mean, th- this is another fascinating case. He opted out last year. He had... Uh, or he has, we've, he's talked about it. He has dealt with some anxiety and depression issues. We know he had a baby last year. His, you know, his ex-fiance had a baby last year. So lots of different things floating around. In addition to all of the baseball stuff, which remember, I, I vividly remember the day he was called up and it's like, oh, it's Kopech day. And it's, you know, everyone was extremely excited about that just based on the stuff and based on the pedigree. But what is he right now? I mean, where, where do you see Michael Kopech fitting in eventually? Yes, I mean, I think, you know, I can echo Rick Hahn, like saying Michael Kopech's a premium starter. The problem is he just, he doesn't have innings because of Tommy John and then last year he opted out. So, I, you know, I kind of thought that he would be starting at some point. I thought they'd send him down. And obviously the AAA season, like, isn't starting on time. So, you know, it's a bit refreshing that he's on the major league team. And I'm curious to see what kind of role they use him in. I think he's going to be in a multi-inning role so that he could easily be, like, stretched out if he needs to. But yep. the problem is, you know, you don't you don't want to run into a situation like the Nationals did all those years back with Steven Strasburg, right, where, you know, he's in your starting rotation right away and he looks like the guy that you think he is, and then all of a sudden it's September and Michael Kopech's done pitching for you because he reached his 120 innings or whatever it is. I mean, he definitely right. has an innings limit for sure. I don't know what the limit is. But they're going to have to work around that. And I'm just kidding. I mean, this is a starting pitcher that's going to be a weapon out of the bullpen. And how he transitions to that will be, you know, I think one of the big storylines this year. Um, but I don't think it's out of the question that, you know, I mean, injuries happen. Something could happen and Michael Kopech's in the rotation all of a sudden. Nobody should really be surprised by that. Right. Uh, and Jake Lamb, uh, you know, the, the most recent signing, I know uh, a lot of people were – I don't want to say underwhelmed, but it was like, okay, you know, Jake Lamb, come on in and, you know, kind of shake up the roster. But they obviously are, are uh, I don't want to say excited, but they like him. They like him as a player, and they think he'll he'll prove valuable. 
Yeah, so it seems like Jake Lamb's a Tony La Russa guy. Like, they crossed paths in Arizona when Tony was in charge there. Uh-huh. You know, I just – I think it's exactly what it looks like, and I said this on a show yesterday. I just think, like, it was either Jake Lamb or Danny Mendick. You know, Danny Mendick hits right-handed. Jake Lamb hits left-handed. So I think they just wanted the left-handed bat off the bench. The only spot that Mendick really is the true backup is at third because Larry Garcia's on the roster anyway. And, right. you know, if anything happened in the middle infield, like Danny Mendick is still just a phone call away. So my guess is Jake Lamb was available. Tony said, hey, I'd like to have this guy on my bench. And they went and got him. And it's not really anything more than that. I don't envision, you know, Jake Lamb starting four times a week or anything. But, you know, we'll – We'll see. You know, I think they have enough guys where Jake Lamb shouldn't be that important. And if he's the 25th guy on the team, like as a pinch hitter, I think I think that's fine. I think you can do worse. Yep. And James, as we let you go and we appreciate your time uh, as we head into the season. And I know uh, we had Tori Hunter on with Parkins and Spiegel earlier and they they're making side bets about uh, the Twins versus the Sox and Yale Central this year. How, How do you see things shaping up? So I think the Sox are going to win it, but I think the Twins are really good. I, you know, I, there's a ton of Yankee hype, obviously, as always, and they're really, really good. But you know, I think they have a rotation question too. I wouldn't be surprised if the White Sox and Twins are the two best teams in the American League. So, you know, I don't think it's the Sox in a runaway by any means. I think they have the most upside for sure. And if some of their guys hit and you know on that potential, and Luis Robert improves to you know what he could be, then the White Sox really could like put a stranglehold on the rest of the division. And even with Eloy Jimenez out, I think the White Sox pitching is so good that they should be in it. And then at the deadline, they could, you know, make further enhancements if right. they need to. So, I, you know, I think they're going to win the division. And then look, once you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. So I don't, I don't like predicting like, oh, they'll win this playoff series or that playoff series without seeing matchups. But look, if you, if you win the division, you got a chance. And the best way to win a World Series is to win a bunch of division titles and be in a bunch of years in a row. And that should be the goal. Yeah. And this is a team built for that. And uh, it'll be exciting watching them. And uh, uh, we appreciate your time, James. Uh, we'll talk to you down the line. And uh, the Sox should uh, prove to be uh, a very exciting topic of conversation all summer here in Chicago. Okay, Mike. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. That's James Fox from Future Sox, their senior editor. Uh, and uh, great follow on Twitter at JamesFox917. So check that out if you can. Um, And, uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited as a born-and-bred Cubs fan uh, from the north side of the city. I am am excited to watch White Sox baseball this year. Uh, This is going to be one of the more exciting teams in baseball. I want to see the young players. I want to see Andrew Vaughn. Yes, I want to see Zach Collins, too. Uh, He will DH tomorrow instead of... Uh, Vaughn um, and Larry Garcia getting the the nod in left field. If you missed that news earlier, uh, that came out of a Tony Larusa call, uh, Zoom call earlier today. Uh, so Vaughn will start the season on the bench against Dylan Bundy, uh, and then with Heaney pitching in Game Two, he'll he'll get some hacks against a left-hander. Uh, almost an hour, just uh, under an hour left here in the show until we get into Bulls basketball at 8:45. Our pregame with Chuck Swirsky and Bill Wennington. Uh, We will uh, break down the breaking news on the Bulls that uh, I just gave you. We'll give it to you again after the top. And then number 34 himself, Bill Wennington, will join us at 820. A little preview of the Suns game, and we can ask Bill his thoughts uh, on the injury update that uh, we will give you coming back. It's Mike Esposito in for Joe Ostrowski this evening. You've got Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.